So for this edition of the podcast, what I wanted to do was take a little departure from what I've been doing so far, which has been taking some concepts that we've been talking about in the book and having much more of an opportunity to really talk through those ideas. And I'll continue that, but I thought with the NHL training camps opening up, that this would be a good time to talk about player development in the NHL and how difficult player development actually is. And the whole idea behind draft and develop, it sounds great, but it's there's a lot to it. It's a very nuanced and, and, and complicated uh, formula to try to really get to where you're, you're able to produce players. It, it's very difficult and there's, there's a lot to it. And um, the window that you have to be able to do a lot is very short. And so what I mean by the window is you really want to be in the NHL by 23. It's, if it takes longer than 23 to get there, it's going to be very difficult to have a sustained NHL career that's productive and multiple contracts and all of that. It's going to be difficult to do that. It's not to say that it doesn't happen. Of course it happens. I'm just saying it's harder. Um, and so if we took 23 as kind of like a line that we're really trying to get the player to play by 23, now when you back it up and you say, okay, well, we're going to draft the player at 18. The odds of that player being able to play at 18 is very low, so they're not going to just step in your lineup. Some of them do, of course, but not all of them. Um, certainly uh, not all of them, even in the first round, are jumping right into the NHL. So every most of them are going back into where they came from. So that's draft plus one for sure, and sometimes draft plus two, they're also back where they were. So you're, as a player development uh, development department, you are now relinquishing control over the player in the first two years after draft, year to two years after draft, and you still have to get them there by 23. So now you've cut basically the time almost in half of the time in which you finally have them under your roof that you can have direct influence over them. So that is an interesting factor that that weighs into the window and how difficult it, it can be. So um, that 18 months to two years is pretty much the window that you have once you have the player under your roof. So you have a lot to do in a very short period of time, which makes it, which makes it difficult. So that's why you, you got to rely on a multitude of different pieces in order to build the team in order to, give yourself the best chance to be able to get to the get to the NHL. So the first first person that's most important is you the player. You have to be a really good CEO of your own company. You got to build a team around you uh, that is supportive and provides different skill sets for you that are going to give you every opportunity to continue to development, particularly in the off season and then support certainly during the season. Cause in the season it's, it's a long season and, uh, and there's going to be many, many ups and downs. And so having a good support system to be able to help you through is going to be really important. So that's the first part. And then learning to be a pro is a whole process. It, it takes a while for most players to learn all of what's needed to be a pro. But really being a pro is, is learning how to take care of yourself, understanding nutrition, understanding sleep, understanding preparation, 
uh, all of that is 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 a process. Learning how to p- truly prepare to be able to play is a process. It takes time, and and so that's the first part. Then having an understanding about fitness and strength training and knowing that the odds of you being physically ready to be able to play in the NHL and endure the demands of the physical demands of what that is is probably not high. You're going to need to develop into that, and so having uh, an understanding of really attacking the gym and knowing what that is well in advance because the thing that you start to realize is that getting prepared to play in the NHL is a process. It takes time. And the earlier you can start in that process of understanding how strong you really need to be uh, to be able to not just play, but to withstand the physical physicality that as happens in the NHL and to be able to reduce not only reduce the risk of injury, but you have to assume that you are going to get injured. Everybody is injured. Most players are playing hurt, uh, particularly once you get to the playoffs, everybody's hurt. So being able, the fitness allows you then to help, you know, build an ability to maybe return to, uh, to reduce the effect of some of the injuries and that you can maybe have uh, a better opportunity to be able to sustain uh, the rigors of, of all of that, Be- being injured, coming back, injury prevention, being able to actually physically compete, be able to, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, sustain an entire season of energy, all of that. It, it's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a major, major part of it. And so that's another part, that whole off-ice preparation piece is absolutely critical and you need a full team not only just the team providing you with that which they will but and once you get to like the American League and 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 such like being able to make gains during that year which is incredibly difficult to be able to do I mean the American League's playing 70 plus games plus the playoffs I mean, it's still a lot, and it's very difficult to make gains during the year, but you have to do it because you can't give away eight to nine months of physical preparation. You can't give that away and then try to rely on three months in the summer. It's You're better to try to really focus on having the habits already formed, have the base already built so that when you get there you can you can actually make gains um, is actually is absolutely critical and so that's an important piece then you have all the on ice habits that you need to know and you know being able to interact with veteran players and inter- be able to make plays and be able to uh, to be able to understand that this is a position specific league in sense of positioning matters you need to be in the right spot you can't just this isn't just playing that you got to pro hockey your people are in the right spot more often the difference also between the american league and the nhl is people are in the right spot more frequently in the nhl than they are in the american league so you can imagine under that it's it's difficult it's a big jump to come from junior into pro hockey in the american league or the nhl it's a massive jump and a lot of it has to do with its understanding of where to be and when and how to get there and navigate those positions it's really really important and that doesn't even talk about the skills that you need to have and how quickly the game is played and how you have to learn to manage pucks 
because if getting the puck back is incredibly difficult in the NHL and learning to once you get it to be able to keep it and then when you if you don't have it how to get it back it's it's a lot it's a lot and and no matter how good you think you are at it in in that league it's it's much much more prevalent much harder and you have to do it over a lot longer period of time so you you have to be consistent um, so that's really, and you, it's hard to score your way out of those problems. You, it's, it's impossible really to score your way out of a problem. It doesn't really matter what you do offensively if you can't do these other things. It's just getting to that point where everyone is in the right position more consistently. The star players are not, they don't get a free pass to be where they, you know, wherever they want. They also have to be in the right plot spot because we need to move as a group. You have to, you have to be a group-oriented offense and group-oriented defense and be able to play in transition. It's very much that way. So understanding that is so critically important. So there's that. The next thing that's really important is the American League general manager and the American League head coach are absolutely critical to player development. I think the American League coach is the most important aspect of player development in the NHL. I, I really do. And, and the reason why is because so much of the development that's needed for the player has to do with uh, the being in the right place and the situations. So being in the right spot and managing the development in terms of the player's opportunity, their growth, the ice time that they get, the opportunity, the types of players, being sheltered at times, and then being thrown in the deep end. All of that, just the the artful coaching of putting players in situations and having situational development, the amount of that is is intense. And it's critical that that American League coach they're so pivotal in being able to to build that. And then the other piece that goes hand in hand with that is the American League general manager who is listen, at the same at the same time that the American League coach is trying to develop the player, they're also trying to win. Like they don't want to be in the American League, they want to be in the NHL themselves. So they're it's a development league for them. So they're trying to win games. And so if, you know, you're not developing at quick as quick enough a rate for them to be able to influence winning then they're going to be inclined to try to find someone else and so having the american league uh general manager also you know be able to advocate for you to stay in the lineup at times is also very important how that happens is you have to first you have to be valued by the organization to which those directives are coming from above that hey this guy like we we need this guy to develop and then the america so the american league general manager is making sure that you know you're still getting some of those opportunities but at the end of the day you need to also make it easy for that general manager to want to advocate for you through your play and your development, your willingness, and the fact that you're a pro. If you're a pro and you approach your preparation and you approach your 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 career like a CEO of a company would, then you're going to have much more of an opportunity for this general manager to want to advocate for you to, to, to go when there's times when it does, no matter who you are, there's times where it dips and the coach is less inclined. It's like, hey, listen, like 
this guy might need to sit out. Like he just might not be, you know, he, he might need some, uh, we might need to approach this differently. And so that's really important. It, it's a critical piece and building the relationship between you and the general manager and the coach is not really a relationship like the way you would think of a relationship. It's, it's what you're doing for the coach and the general manager to encourage them to want to continue to really truly invest and make to create opportunities for you to continue to develop and to continue to play and get into into these situations so your relationship has to do with your your not production as it relates to like point production but you're advancing along being a pro and and what that entails and your habits and the way you approach every day and your consistency and then leveraging consistency and being a pro to and your habits to improved performance and then that it gives them the momentum and the and the and the reason to want to invest further in your development and that's really important and you foster that relationship it's not really a relationship like we're talking about it's more of you continuing to show those improvements in all those areas to where they're excited to create the space for you to develop and that that's really important uh, the next piece is mentorship so most teams if not every team has a former player who played in the nhl who is uh who's now as part of the player development department these people are invaluable because they've been there, they've been a healthy scratch, they've you know been in situations with as it relates to understanding how to manage yourself with veterans. It's managing yourself with coaching staff. It's being uh, in and out of the lineup. It's up and down. You know, not playing any power play time. It's you know not uh, creating any special teams. Like learning how to find your entry point. And, and then a footing inside that entry point and then trying to build momentum from within that and the habits that go along with that. These, those, the, the mentorship of NHL players, I think, is really important and is, is the next kind of most important thing. So you have you, you, the CEO of your own company and the way in which you approach your business. That's number one. Then the American League head coach and general manager, that's two. And then the mentorship, that's three. So you see player development, we haven't really talked about skills. Like when we think about player development, we think about skill development. And it's really not that until later on. Once you build all these other pieces, then of course, then some skill development is really important. The next piece is, like I said before, is the is the strength coaches. They're critical because you know you're trying to make gains during the course of the year, which is incredibly difficult because rest is a factor. You know you're trying to lift, but then you got to prepare yourself to actually play. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's trying to figure all that out, and there's a, there's a science behind it. Really trying to understand what that is. Uh, that's going to be really important, and those people are are on the cutting edge of all of those stuff and really understanding that you cannot give away any time in the gym. You need that. And knowing that you're probably going to get hurt at some point and learning how to come back and through the through the return to play, through the strength coach and the medical staff and really preparing yourself and then 
building yourself even better so that when you come back, you're more prepared to to withstand the rigors of the league. So that's the next most important thing. And then we talk about actual like skill coaches, like uh, people that are there to influence your skill. And a lot of times it starts off as more like skill habits. So it's like player, uh, a winger, for example, needs to be better in the D zone, uh, on the D zone wall. Or a forward needs to be better on the back wall in the offensive zone at being able to, you know, keep pucks keep pucks alive offensively or winning pucks back. Or you have like defensemen learning uh, how to maybe defend skating forwards. That could be something that that they are as a little more unfamiliar with. That's now becoming important to become a pro. Or the discipline of stick position and how critical that is to an entry point to be able to make contact. All those things, that's now your skill. But it's not like a a single skill. This is a group of skills inside of a skill habit that now your skills coaches are going to be able to assess, okay, this player... They they struggle more in the awareness part. Like by the time they they the puck arrives, like they haven't really checked their surroundings enough and scanned the situation to know, and so they make poor decisions because they don't have all, enough information. So let's get them to understand the habits of scanning so that when they do get the puck, they can be calmer, they can make better plays, etc. It could be just how they catch a puck off the boards. A puck gets rimmed around, they got to field it off the wall. The technique that surrounds being able to get the puck off the wall, be able to have a multiple multiplicity of skills so that you now have, uh, have different options and being able to maybe apply the right technique to the right job is maybe where it falls short. You're trying to you know, you're trying to catch it a certain way, but it really required that you did it a different way. Having all those tools in the toolbox is really important. That's why depth of skill is so important because the reality is once you, if you're starting, you come out of your, your uh, college or you come out of European pro or you come out, uh, you come out of uh, the OHL or the uh, Canadian Hockey League, when you come out of those places and now you're going to come into uh, the American League and you're going to start there, you need to have a mindset of becoming a complete player. The mindset of becoming a complete player is so critical that you're going to be can be relied on defensively. You have excellent stick skills. You can get around the rink. You can push pace. You can play with speed. You can you can get pucks back. You can compete and get the puck. You can you can make it difficult. You can have a good stick. You can influence where the puck goes because of your positioning. All of that. You can play in transition. You have all those all those abilities. Maybe you can kill penalties. But you're a player that probably got this opportunity to play pro hockey because of your offensive ability. You never really had to, you know, you played some defense and you killed some penalties. But, I mean, it's different, right? This is different. This is high, a lot of detail and being in the right place at the right time. And then you also have the problem of when you come from, for example, like Canadian Hockey League, you are having like the age effect flips so you get drafted at 18 well it's a it's a it's a 19 year old league so i you know you were 17 years old turning 18 so you're kind of in that window where you're in like the middle to low end of the age of the league and then by the time you leave you're the eldest of the league 
So how much improvement did you make in that in that window of time? How much improvement did you make or did you just get naturally bigger and stronger because of the because of your age, the age effect? So what what is it? And the fact that you're now more experienced and you're playing with better players and all of that is that what's made you better or are you actually improving your skill set? And this is what I mean about becoming a complete player. The more work you can do to do that before you get in there. So the more work you can do as it relates to physical preparation, at least from a habits perspective, and understanding how to really lift properly in terms of like bringing the energy and effort required to attack those gym sessions most appropriately that's one and then the second and taking advantage of that during the course of the year those habits are important but then also the other habits of like trying to add more pieces to your game because when you get to the American League you have this 18 month to 2 year window to try to really, you know, put yourself in that position to be uh, a full-time NHL player. It's just not a lot of time if you're having to like figure all of it out at the same time. It's very very difficult. So the more you can use that time when you go back to build more of a complete player skill set, you at least have a functional understanding that when you come in, you can fast forward those processes, pick them up quickly, build more momentum in the eyes of the coach and the general manager to be able to provide more opportunities as you earn them. And that's the thing. It's very merit-based. You've got to earn everything and uh, you got to find your way to, to, to getting to a spot where you're going to make it. Because at the end of the day, the NHL is about people, the people that are there are what the organization believes are going to give them the best chance to win. So they're a competitive advantage over the people who are not. So you have to, you, when, to win a job, you have to show that you can influence winning more than the someone else who is there. That's what it comes down to. The more complete player you are, the better it is. Uh, the other piece uh, that's really important, and, and you have to adjust to the minutes. So the, the other problem too is, is that now you're in the American League and you've been there for now, you know, uh, for like, you know, 12 months and you started to move your way up the lineup. You're starting to get, you know, points and you're playing with good players and maybe you're playing on the power play. And now you're you're building momentum like you're you're starting to show that, you know, you might not belong in this league. Like you maybe you should get an opportunity to play in the NHL. Well, if if that's the case, you're probably doing a lot offensively in the league. And so now when you get, let's say you're getting called up later in the year uh, in that after 12 months or, you know, 18 months, you're, you're now starting, you're going to get called up. When you get called up, you're probably not going to be in an offensive role. So you're, you're, you've, you've been playing 20 minutes, 22 minutes, 25 minutes, because that's what from an organization's perspective, they're trying to build you. So they're going to give you every opportunity. You're going to play a lot of minutes. You're going to get a lot of experience, etc. And then you go up and you play. You're going to play five minutes, seven minutes, ten minutes, if you're lucky. And you're going to play in a bottom six role. And it's just the expectations of how you manage a puck and how you get pucks back and how you skate and where you are positionally. It's just very different. Like you, if you go up in that NHL, you need to play a certain way, but that's not the same way that you've been playing when you were playing the American League. So that's also a major challenge in trying to stay in the NHL is 
the way you played in the American League to earn the opportunity is not necessarily going to be the role that you're going to play when you get to the NHL. So that's why being able to, if you're an offensive player and you're building this offensive game in the American League, great. But let's also score different ways. Like let's make sure that you can score uh, off of a four-check play. Let's make sure that you can get to the net and play at the net front. Let's make sure that you can uh, win pucks back, like takeaways, and and get the puck back and turn that into offense. So it's like you got to create offense in maybe ways that you haven't create haven't had to create offense. So then now when you get called up, you can do those sorts of things. It's not to say you're going to go there and, uh, in the NHL and immediately you know build this whole offensive thing. It's just the point of like. A lot of times that's what it takes to manage the puck. It's really hard to play in the NHL. And managing the puck is so critically important. And you know, when you and then now you've you know, you were playing twenty five minutes. Well you're on like in such a regular rhythm. Now you get up playing in the NHL, you're not. You're gonna play, you know, in the first half of the first period and then you're gonna get another chance maybe early in the second half of the se- of the of the first period. Well there could be like 25 or 30 minutes of actual real time that you've had, you know, to get those, just to play those two shifts. Well, that's very different than the rhythm that you were in before. It can really affect the player's ability, with their their feel and feel with the puck and all of that. It's very different. And, you know, they don't practice the same way in the NHL. Most of the time in the NHL, the adjustments are made by video. Yes, there is a little bit of practice time, but it's not a lot. And so you got to pick it up quickly. Any changes to the system or adjustments, it's all going to be done by video. It's not going to be, you know, you're not going to get three practices to figure out what's going on. It just doesn't work like that. So it's a really interesting dynamic in that the player development is very difficult. Now, they also have like skill coaches that are like skating coaches and stuff like that to improve your skating because like odds are, you need to improve something, and a lot of players don't skate well enough to play in the NHL. And so sometimes the skating is just by physical development. So as you improve your lower body strength and power production, you're going to then become a faster player. That's the best way to do it. When you physically become more capable, it transfers right into speed and power and strength ability on your skates. That's the best way to do it. If you have like a problem with your skating that needs to be fixed, now you're taking part of that 18 months and you're dedicating it to that kind of development, that focused development of learning to skate differently. Well, that's just a whole other thing. Like you're using so much of that window. Like you got to choose what, what, what part of that window you really want to be using. Like to me, if you could learn... I, hey, I know I need to get physically more capable. I can do that. Show up at the gym. I can train. And I can make sure that I'm prepared and ready to go to attack the day. Great. I can learn where to be in the right position. I can understand the team system. I can understand how everything moves. I can understand the speed of how things are going to go. I can do all that. I can learn to manage the puck differently. There's certain places I just got to manage the puck. I can't turn pucks over. I got to become much more responsible. Also, I got to become heavier on the puck. Got to get stronger on the puck. Can't get stripped. Can't get takeaways. I got to make sure that I can manage a puck, win a puck, not only just win a puck back, but also control a puck on the boards and be able to be withstand physical contact on the puck and extend possessions to be able to make the next play. All of that's important. That's great. 
And all of that can be learned in a, in a reasonable amount of time. But if you have a hiccup of some sort that needs to get fixed as it relates to skating, it's real difficult. You're just not going to go there and learn that quickly. It takes a long time. And some players, it takes a lot longer than others to influence that. And now you're chewing up that window. So skating deficits are better when you can stack things on top that would ultimately be able to become, uh, that, that would improve the skating that wouldn't need like a complete rebuild. So I think that's really important to know. And if you've been a player that's really been a heady player, been making a lot of plays, but you're not really a player that, you know, um, has had to rely on skating or you, you've, skating has been a deficit, but you're so smart. Do you know how smart you actually have to be to overcome being below the level of the league, the, the, the median level of the league in speed? The level of intelligence needed is, is unreasonable, and that's the issue. And so what you want to be able to do is be able to at least get to the median of the league uh, from a skating perspective so that you know that so that you can manage that and so there's ways in which you can do that and that's really it's really important that you do that work prior or as you're coming into the league now you've got at least a head start on it so you're not chewing up your whole 18 month to two year window and you still get to the other end and it's like no they still can't skate at this level um that's that's really heartbreaking to see sometimes um the other thing that's I think really important is is that the time in which you're going to be most pliable to be to to be to your learning is going to be at the beginning of your of your pro career. That's the time in which you know like you can you first day you get there you're going to see like whoa this is different like there's a lot here I need to learn a lot you already understand and recognize that. It's when you get later on and as you're like nearing the call up and you can feel it, your game is playing, you're playing great, you know, there's a lot of buzz about you and now you're going to get called up. That's the time in which you have a lot like the least amount of interest in making like changes because you're there, you're close. And so you don't want to run the risk of like doing too much, too crazy. You're just going to stay the course. So the time in which you may need to really like understand how to elevate your game just a little bit more is the time you're going to be my maybe the least receptive and it may not be like overtly least receptive just me even subconsciously you're just like ah, I'm so close I'm just going to stay the course and just I just need a little bit more and a little bit more and I'll, and I'll get there when maybe that is a time where you know, being open to understanding like, no, there's like another level you can get to, but you got to show some courage to want to really show that in terms of, in terms of development, be open to, to, to learning a new, new way of doing it. So it could be like, you know, the spacing on the wall and, and becoming more efficient and effective in that area, being able to spin off of a roll off of a check to extend possessions because you're getting you're getting bumped and you're getting knocked off the puck showing more of an ability to be stronger on the puck by having soft shoulders and understanding the timing like as you get closer to a call up like that could be the difference being able to hold on to pucks just a little longer and not getting stripped or certainly not knocked off the puck that could be what matters got to have got to understand i guess what's what's going to be important what's going to matter and be willing to focus on those things to make sure that that those that those things done are done um, 
at the end of the day, there's a reason why NHL teams talk about players with good character. Uh, we want players that, that have good habits. We want players who are old, already competitive. We want players who work really hard. We want low-maintenance players. What we're talking about is people who are really, uh, really good at being the CEO of their own company. They're well-supported. They have a great team around them. They understand what they need to do. They show up every day. They love the game because they're willing to put the work in. They know what needs to get done, and they just every day they just keep getting better and better and better and and really uh, build the momentum that is needed. That's why they talk about those those things. And the reason why those are so important is because it's hard to build use your 18-month window to build good habits. If you don't have good work habits, you're going to use that 18-month window to try to figure that out. Like it could take 12, is it going to take 12 months, 6 months? You're still like using a significant amount of time that should be dedicated or could be dedicated elsewhere in your development where this window, the time is ticking. And I think that as I wrap this up, the whole idea that, you know, player development it's just that it's like a linear thing. We're going to get there and you're going to start here and you're going to just take off and soar. It just doesn't work like that. It's a lot is reliant upon the player. And then a lot is reliant upon that American League coach and their ability. And then the last part, I guess, that's really important is when you go to the organization, like in the timing of their ascent is really important. So if you're, if you're getting, and it impacts player development. So if you go to a team that they know they're not going to make the playoffs, they're kind of in a rebuild, they're stocking the cupboard with a lot of prospects and picks, and they're trading players to get picks and picks and picks because they're trying to you know stockpile and then ultimately you know rebuild their core and 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 take a run at it you know in future years. Well, that's a whole di- that team is dedicated now to draft and develop. They're going to focus a lot of their attention on that, building that American League team where they're going to win with their core younger players. Like That's, that's going to be the focus. Now, when the team gets further up, now they get closer to putting themselves in the conversation of now winning. Well, that's very different now because now you're trading first-round picks to get players who can help you now you're not you're you're getting towards the end of the season and you're jockeying for playoff position it's probably not a time where you're going to start calling up prospects to give them games you know to get a look at them before that season's done you don't have time for that Uh, if the player can't help influence winning you're probably not going to utilize them in those spaces where earlier on in the process at the beginning where you're, you know, it's, it's truly draft stockpile draft picks, get them in your system and, 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 and create a competitive environment to then build the group. Of course, well, you're not going to make the playoffs. You're probably out of the playoffs a month or two before the season was before the season's over. Well, now you have a lot of window to call people up and get them some NHL games and kind of take a look at things. It's very, very different. How you catch these organizations at different times, situation is so important. And it's sometimes really hard for players to overcome their situation. And that is the challenge. And the way you give yourself the best chance to overcome the natural challenges that come from trying to become a top 1% of the 1% in the world 
is you need to make sure that you're taking care of your own company. You're the CEO of your own company and you got to try to do everything you can from within inside of that to give yourself the best opportunity to maximize your development potential in that 18-month to two-year window. And then, of course, once you get to the NHL, then now all these habits that you have been building and the support structures that you've put in place, they'll all get tested uh, in every possible way once you get there because now the challenge is now you got to try to stay there. You want to try to get multiple contracts. It is incredibly difficult, and it is a very much a if you can help us win, then you can stay type of place. And uh, so trying to evolve while you're there is also important. Figuring out how you can help the team, and it may not be things that you have uh, done uh, a lot previously, and now you're going to have to go in and figure out what those things are and then try to find a way to fill those gaps and, and create value. If you can create value, you can do some pretty special things, of course, um, but it's going to be the consistency that is what's sustaining, and and that's where all those habits that you've been building, and that's why what I love about the NHL and NHL player development is that it is so difficult, and in the fact that it's so difficult, it creates so much opportunity to really have those players who have really dedicated their their are dedicated to their craft and building and are very thoughtful about how they're going to approach things and so diligent about their work habits and 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 really building a work structure for themselves that's what is what's ultimately going to be sustaining for the vast majority of players that play in the NHL. And those who don't have those support structures in place from both the habits that they have built and the people that they've surrounded themselves with, those are the people that are going to struggle. And ultimately, those cracks in those, in that, in those foundations will create problems that will not be able that they may not be able to overcome so you know playing in the nhl and nhl player development like i said it's a very difficult uh process uh but it's so rewarding when a player does actually find their way and and they and they do it in a way that shows you a roadmap. and i i think that's what i've really enjoyed the most is there is definitely a roadmap. Um, to get there and then there's also a roadmap to stay there and sometimes those things the have the there's some core pieces that are that that provide that foundation but then you constantly have to evolve you got to evolve you got to find ways to get better find ways to add more value and that is what's going to be the sustaining part is that ability to find your way into the next ability to do different things and evolve in a different way that to me is uh is what's is what's so fascinating and the players that do that are to me the most interesting to study